Good morning. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for melody and um, the words of your heart that go along those melodies that move us into a posture of praise. I pray that we would continue to stay in that posture of praise with you this morning as you speak to us. Uh, what do you want to say? I, I'm anticipating and excited to hear what you want to say this morning. Uh, even if it's challenging, even if it's, it's um, going to stretch me or stretch us, or we want to hear what you have to say and help us respond in a way uh, that is faithful and true and good as you are. So we ask that you would bless this time, that you continue to speak truth, life, and breakthrough into our own hearts. I pray those areas we're waiting for breakthrough uh, in, our, uh, in our minds, in, our, in our, our lives, where we would continue to praise you even as we're waiting for that breakthrough. And that we would praise you as the breakthrough comes. And that we would remember all the places that you've brought breakthrough into our life and continue to praise you for it. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, um, how many were here last week? Okay. Did anyone walk away from last week feeling a little wrecked other than myself? Anybody? Okay, so, you know, misery loves company, so I just wanted to make sure that we're in this together. Uh, we're in this journey through John, and, and we're in chapter 3, and it's rocking me personally. And people have been asking me, how are things going at Bridgewood and this and that? And there are things that you can see and then things people don't see that you just have to share with them. And one of them is, for me, it's hard for me to compartmentalize my personal life and what happens here at Bridgewood. It's all life. And so anytime the Lord's putting me through something, you're hearing about it. So it's not me simply giving you information or giving you some ideas that the Lord's put on my heart. I'm actually going through the fire with you and I've been feeling that. I've been feeling the Lord shake me up. Uh, some of it I've really not enjoyed. How many have experienced that? Lord's shaking you up. You know he's shaking you up. You know his hand's in it. Uh, yet you really don't want to say, oh, more Lord, that's great. Uh, you usually have that big red stop sign in your head going, stop, it's enough. Uh, he's not listening to me <laughs> with those requests. Uh, so we're in this place in chapter three where we're gonna continue walking in the fire, but see, here's the thing is that he walks with us in it. And that's a comforting thought. We have heard um, from Mark, we've heard that, the, the, that message a few weeks ago about how Jesus fills in those gaps. You heard a little bit this morning and we heard from Sharon um, in the, in Jesus' encounters with Nicodemus that he gives these infinite amount of do-overs because of his grace and his mercy and his love for us. And last week we talked more about that conversation with Nicodemus where Jesus is saying to have eternal life, you must be born again. And what does Nicodemus say? Well, how do you do that? How is that gonna work? And we talked about last week how questions are good. Uh, they're good. 
learning is good, absolutely essential, but there are times we ask certain questions in order to dictate and control the narrative of our lives because fear can be a strong motivator for good and for bad, can it not? And so Jesus basically says, look, if you can't understand the earthly things, the things that you're seeing in front of you as even the testimony that we have given you, how are you going to understand spiritual things? And in many ways, Jesus is saying, you're on a need-to-know basis. You can't, I can't even explain this to you, but here's the best way I can show you. And then we have John 3, 16. And so we talked about last week how fear is there every day, isn't it? Every single day it's there. And oftentimes we look at fear as the enemy instead of the indicator that it's time to take a faith step. I've grown to appreciate, this is going to sound weird, <laughs> fear. Because I used to be like, fear's the enemy, it's the bad guy, it's, it, it makes me do bad things. Now fear by itself is benign. By itself, just sitting there, because there are certain things when we teach our kids, we want them to have a healthy fear about certain things, Correct? so that we can make good decisions that are life-giving decisions. But fear can also produce all of these hypotheticals, these what-ifs, what-ifs. How many go down the what-if train way too far? You miss every station, you never get off. And then the next thing you know, you've concocted this world that does not exist except in your own mind, and it paralyzes you from making life-giving decisions. And life-giving decisions will always be faith decisions. So fear gets our attention and says it's time to make sure we're trusting Jesus in the midst of it. Instead of taking fear and going, well, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. So now we're at this point where we're going to look more into this John 3, 16. We're going to go through John 3, 16 through, through 18. We're going to... Go slowly here, because last week we talked about how even in the midst of that fear, Jesus shows us, for God so loved the world. He's showing Nicodemus what it's all going to be about. You want to know how you can be born again? You must believe in his son, in me, and you will not perish. And isn't that our greatest fear, is that we will perish. Fill in what that means for you. It's not always the, that it means death for us. It could be having all the good things taken away. It could be having the one thing that we feel is good in our life taken away. What is going to perish today if I don't do A, B, C, D, E, F, G? How many have felt that in your life? Jesus knows. I think there's a reason why we have that word perish there. It's a strong word. Because that's what we ultimately fear. And he says, in me, with me, your belief and trust in me keeps you from this and not just eternally but also in everyday life you continue to trust and believe in me you will not perish because don't we believe that we can engage jesus in intimacy now yes and even in the midst of the fire we have hope and joy and trust when we are engaging him and some people, I, how many of you know people that have gone through a terrible time and you're looking at their circumstance and you have no idea how they're getting through it? 
And then they seem joyful sometimes. And you almost have to remind them of how terrible their circumstances are. That's walking with Jesus. That's everlasting life in the midst of today and the circumstances that are hard. And so this morning, we want to dive more into that because here's the deal. Fear is going to be there every day. For some of us, it, it holds us prisoner. And we want to get out of it. We give ourselves to fear because we can't ultimately, we know we can't control as much as we try. And Jesus saying, for God so loved the world, this whole statement is saying, yeah, you have to let go of that control. You can't fight for it anymore because it's not gonna produce life. Only surrendering and relinquishing that control to me will give you courage in the midst of your fear and will give you life in the midst of what you're afraid to perish from. Only then. So we hear in John 3.16, still this conversation with Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. What word do you hear there a lot? What? Belief. We're going to get to this in a minute because this is very important. That word belief is very important. But let's look at this first. For God so loved the world. That's a huge statement because remember, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, one of the top dog teachers of the law, one of the top dog teachers in Judaism. And the Jews in their mind are the people of God the only ones because they're chosen deserving of the love of God. And Jesus makes a statement to a Jewish man saying this, for God so loved the Jews. No, the world. We can't overlook that. Now, remember, Jesus is seen by most as a prophet, someone that has been doing miraculous things. Surely he comes from God. But for the Jews, he doesn't fit the Messiah mold they had him in. But he is doing things. He is doing things that are really upsetting the apple cart. And we talked about it. When he flips over the temple tables, they go, what authority do you have that you can do this? And remember, that was a statement that he made. And it wasn't solely about getting angry and having righteous anger but they were moving the marketplaces into the outer temple where Gentiles worshipped. And they, th- and they saw that Gentiles were less than. Remember that. The Jews felt that Gentiles were less than. And Jesus makes a stand where they're allowed to worship. And basically, my mind says, no one is going to keep people from me that are after me. Nobody. Not even you. So Jesus makes another statement that says the Gentiles, you and I, are invited to the party. For God so loved the world. That's a huge statement. When you, when you leave this place, I want you to think about that for a second. Because here, 
in their mind is a Jewish man making a statement that goes against what they were taught. That's a big statement. And then, and then, how to receive eternal life in that word belief, nothing about following the law to the letter, nothing about that. And that unbelief is what condemns you. Not doing all the, not missing, messing up all the, the laws that you're supposed to abide to, but not believing in him, not trusting him. That is what is gonna remove yourself from him. Which is a gracious thing because it says we have the choice and oftentimes we ask this question, does God send people to hell? And no, 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 no. Well, in this statement, it says that we make that choice, whether we know it or not, and we choose not to believe. And when we talk about it, we're talking about separation from God. How many have experienced that? When you choose something that isn't him, you feel the reflection, I mean, you feel the ramifications of that. That is a microcosm. Because eternal separation from God is absent of any hope. Zilch. Now, there are times that things in life have felt hopeless, but we have never been without hope. Ever. Not one time. I've may felt that way, but God is here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him, and this word belief, it's not about Accepting the information. The word here in the Greek means to trust, to grab hold of. So let me read it with the word trust. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever trusts in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever trusts in him is not condemned, but whoever does not trust in him stands condemned already because he's not trusted him. He's not trusted in the Son of God. So Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, trust is key because fear will be there. You're gonna want all the answers to every question so we can feel better about the situation. I always feel better when I know more about a situation. It's human nature. And then, and don't get me wrong, you, you should make plans. <laughs> you, you, you should, you know, have an idea of what you want to do with your day. But we always surrender that to whatever God wants to do. But when we start making decisions to control our environment because we're afraid, now fear has dictated our actions. And he's saying, in every situation, you have to trust me. In every single one, I believe that's what he was saying to Nicodemus because he said it very simply that, who, that the intention of God is that what? He loves you and he sent his one and only son for you so that when you believe and trust in him, you will live always with him. But if you don't choose to trust him, you've condemned yourself, not this law. That one decision not to trust, that's a paradigm shift for Nicodemus. Do we understand that this is a huge encounter? Huge. This is not something we simply slap on bumper stickers. This has huge implications. Jesus did something risky. It wasn't risky for him, but it looked risky to everyone else. 
And he continued to stand with all people, not only the Jews. How many have had to make an unpopular decision? Did you, when you make that decision, do you go home and not sleep because you're thinking and wondering if you made the right decision? I don't believe Jesus had that issue because he was settled and he says what? I only see what my father is doing. I only do what my father is doing. That's all he cares about. And he trusts the good father. And he illustrates how we can trust him by how he trusts his father, that even in the midst of betrayal, persecution, doubt, torture, and death, and even asks a why question on the cross, he trusts his father. In the midst of fear, didn't we not see Jesus endure the presence of fear in the garden? Did he succumb to that fear? No. That fear, he saw that fear, and he allowed it to thrust him in to deeper faith. Not my will, but your will. So when we hear, for God so loved the world, yes, it is an important scripture for instruction of what life in Christ is all about and how salvation happens, but it's also a roadmap of how we are to live our everyday lives is through trust because fear will be there all the time. And how we engage fear is going to make or break us in many, in many ways. I have, I have seen people, family members, who have only walked with Jesus or accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior because they were afraid to go somewhere. They're afraid to go to hell. So they make a decision to avoid. No. Fear, we cannot allow fear to thrust us in a place of separation, but into closer proximity to Jesus and to trust. Remember, it's not about just believing the information. It's about holding on and trusting the one all that information is about. And Jesus, if you're looking carefully and aware, will remind you every day of that. He will remind you every day to trust. How many have seen that and have ignored it? Someone, you're having a bad thought, you're, having, you're about to go down this fear spiral that leads you to whatever behavior, and someone comes in and they may not even know your situation and they say something and it rings true that you need to trust Jesus, even if they didn't say trust Jesus, but it reminds you and you go, nah, that can't be him. I'm still gonna go with the fear route. How many have done that? Come on, be honest with me. Yes! Because ultimately this this passage so shows us that we have a choice. We can choose to trust, even when he reminds us to trust, or we can continue to try and control and avoid. And Jesus said, no, 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 come to me. He invites the weary. Why? Because he gives rest from all of that, even though for us it seems like hard work. And I've been in a season in my life where I'm fighting with this more than ever in my own personal walk and feeling fear in ways I haven't before because it just hasn't been 
that kind of issue for me. And, and last week was a, a very important time for me because I could share with you all that I was in a season where I'm afraid. And I was so afraid to say I'm afraid because I thought it meant, well, now I'm less than because I feel the presence of fear. No, feeling the presence of fear is not the issue. What I'm doing out of that fear is the issue. So I'm going to try and get through this. The Lord sends someone to me to remind me of that. And for me these days, it's my kids. I'm with, uh, on Fridays, it's my day off, and Grace is at school. Emmett goes to school for half a day, and then I get to be with him and little Finley, and it's just a joy of my week I look forward to. And we're sitting at our kitchen table, and I have this little blue vial of anointing oil that smells like frankincense and myrrh and all that stuff. And so Emmett, the man of curiosity, says, Dad, what is that? And I go, what is what? Well, in the blue vial. I'm like, first off, how do you know what the word vial is? <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know how you're smarter than me at four. So I said, well, this is anointing oil. Now, Finley is a hurricane, okay? She is a ever-moving tornado of destruction and joy all at the same time. So she's in and out of this conversation. She's looking, uh, yeah, yeah, and then goes to her next thing, rah, rah, rah. But she, she stops to hear this explanation. I don't know, I'm assuming she can't understand this. Now remember, I'm in a place where I'm, I don't know what to do with my fear right now. This is more uncharted territory for me. I feel very unsettled in my spirit. I feel very um, innerly isolated. There are people around me love me. That's not, it's nothing to panic about. It's just that's how I was feeling. So I explained to him what anointing oil is. And I explained to him um, the process of it and why we do it. And I just thought, I just thought, well, Lord, could I, do you want to maybe anoint my kid with me? <laughs> and before I could even say that, Emmett goes, hey, Dad, could you do that to me? And I went, Sure. So I'm anointing him, and I'm trying to get through it. As a parent, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so proud. He wanted to do this himself. I didn't even go. <laughs> now, of course, Finley, she sees this. She wants in on the action. So she pulls it. She's like, how many have seen Finley? She's like this big. She pulls this chair one-handed <laughs> like a beast. She's not even, not even breaking a sweat. My whole body hurts watching this five feet of exercise happen. She pulls it over. She gets up and she goes, nah, like that. And then she closes her eyes like this. So then I bless him and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to remember this forever. And I thought, wow, that's an amazing experience. Well, that was nothing compared to what was about to happen. So I start putting the, anointed, the cap on the oil and Emmett goes, he's sitting on the table. He's sitting on the table, which I don't normally like. And, but I didn't care. And I probably told him to sit on it so I could <laughs> anoint him and all that stuff. But he goes, Dad, wait. I said, and he said it like that. I was like, Dad, Dad, you know. He said, Dad, wait. I said, well, what's up? He goes, I'd like to anoint you. Yeah. And then you fight, you know this is genuine, with, 
oh, he's just four and this is a cute thing. No cute thing was happening here. I said, sure, buddy. And I told him when I was instructing him, I was saying, you know, a lot of people just do a little sign of the cross. And I said that when I was doing that to him. He took that thing as if he had been anointing people his whole life. Unscrews the cap. He can't even get his water bottle cap off, but he can get this cap off. (laughs) The hypocrisy. Um, Takes it off, puts it down. He says, Dad, come here. Holy, we are in this. And I'm, I can feel my body start shaking because you know you're gonna, something emotional is about to happen. And he just gently dabs it on his finger and he puts the sign, I can feel him putting the sign. He didn't ask me, what do I do again? No, no, no. He puts the sign of the cross. He puts his hand on my head. And this isn't one of those things, have you noticed where kids are trying to do something profound and they're looking to see if you're looking and watch, I'm doing something really cute here. I'm a big boy. No. He puts his head down like this. I mean, I felt I was being pastored. And he says, Lord, first we love you and we're thankful for you. And he says, thank you for my dad. And I pray that even in his fear and even in things that are hard, he would trust you and know that you're there. In Jesus' name, amen. And I lose it. In the bathroom, but I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Trust is so important. Trust in Jesus is so important that he sends out the big guns to remind you, to show you. He himself laid down his life so that you would know him and trust him, so that, uh, not so that you could avoid being someplace horrible, but so that we would have the privilege and the pleasure of knowing him without obstacle for all time, the joy of walking with him, sitting with him, being with him, the whole purpose. When we think about this Christmas season, for God so loved the world, yeah, but not just for salvation in the sense of how we've been taught salvation is, but for this relationship that just overwhelms you with hope and joy and life in ways that you cannot write in a book or muster up with your imagination is only something that you can experience through trust and engagement of his spirit through his son. So let me read this over you as we close. And we're going to go into a time of communion this morning where you'll come down the aisles when you feel led. And if you can come down with your family, you can come down by yourself. If the Lord is putting someone on your heart to invite with you, I want to encourage you that even in the midst of the fear of, ooh, will they say yes or no? Trust him. And, and uh, pray for courage to in- invite them with you. But we will take... And we will remember and be mindful and aware of who he is. And this is the God we serve, for God so loved everyone that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, whoever trusts in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Forget it, God did not send his son 
into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name, he has not trusted in the name of God's one and only Son. Lord, I thank you for you, who you are. I thank you that you see us. I thank you that you know us. I thank you that you call us by name. And I thank you that, especially in the times where fear has gripped us and we are wavering and we cannot see the hope that is in front of us, you remind us. You remind us through your word. You remind us through the events of history. But you also remind us through your Holy Spirit moving in people, all people, all ages, with all different kinds of histories and backstories to help encourage us to stay in that place and that yoke of trust. For me personally, I thank you for my son who is faithful to remind me to trust. Would we be mindful of those lifelines, those reminders that you send our way to trust in you, especially in the times of fear? I thank you for your love. May we continue to live in that love and love others well. In Jesus' name, amen. He was before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living his throne to wake as a child he became like the least of us behold him Jesus son of God Messiah the lamb the roaring lion oh be
see 